Hey, welcome everybody to episode two of Looking for More, your dedicated podcast for all things gaming, the focus on MMOs, game development, and gaming culture. I am joined by my guest, Lexer. Welcome back, Lexer. Welcome back, Nathan. Sorry, the Nathan Napalm. Glad to be here. Right on. And Mr. Wandering Mist. Good evening. Uh, tea. I have my. I have, got, my, I have yeah. got. Um, I have got strong coffee. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. We had a discussion about this, yo. So <clears throat> today we want to talk about a few different games. This might be a little news oriented today, but I definitely felt like there were some things worth noting, and I didn't want to miss it this week. We still have plenty of our revolving topics. Um, but I'm just going to let any of you jump in on this one. But anything for you all that just really stands out in terms of testing of any games that you found really awesome, really good experiences that you feel like are just you know worth sharing right now with people? Um, I'll, I'll share what I heard uh, the, other, the other day here. I was wrong. It wasn't um, who I thought it was. It was actually um, PC Gamer. Oh. There was an investigation into James Busby. Uh about plagiarism and it was actually confirmed Oof. now pc gamer not only kicked that pile of trash to the curb but purged all of that person's reviews articles from their system and then went ahead and paid i think it was gbay 99 a youtuber that the content one of the contents that was in question was stolen from they actually paid that youtuber for that article oh, which wow. you know that's that's <clears throat> top notch behavior right there yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah. You really don't see that very often these days, especially with big entities like that. Right. Yeah, it's it's I, I can kind of. Uh, I mean, there's there's really no excuse for that kind of thing at all. Uh, in my opinion, you you just can't do that, and especially if you're big time like uh, news journalism website. You, you've got mm-hmm. to have that integrity. Otherwise, people are just going to uh, just wreck you or just stop. They, you're going to lose revenue and just you uh, lose any kind of, um, what am I trying to say? Any trying, you know what I'm trying Credibility. to say. Credibility. Yeah, there we go. Credibility, yeah. yeah. Well, With the reason, they're just not going to care. They're just going to go somewhere. The because there's plenty of other sites that do the yeah. same thing that PC Gamer does. Uh, it's not it's- like they have a monopoly on it. Yeah, and the real sad thing is that it's not just gaming journalism either. You know, no, you hear I... this this BS going on in any type of journalism. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like it's about time people started looking into these journalists' BS because it's at the point where you don't even know if you can trust reviews. Yeah, it's a good it's point. Really it's a very good point. So. Any other games? I've got a few on the agenda that I'm like, yo, I've got to talk about. One, we got Dr. Greenspoon in chat, the developer over with uh, the game Valar. It's in development. They actually had a play test this recent weekend. And uh, there were quite a quite a few changes, um, some of which were actually, yeah, there were actually some like, hey, Dr. Greenspoon came on, I did a Q&A with him uh, about a month, roughly, I think, ago. And or maybe less than that. I can't really remember. They all, you know, days, you know, how that happens. I'll transitions into one big chunk of time for me, it seems like. But 
Uh, we had a really good Q&A shortly after he released uh, on their website. A nice big lore update, kind of talking about the the gods or deities uh, for the game. And then this weekend, past weekend, we had an updated uh, kind of go play test for the people who were, uh, had pre-ordered the game or had, you know, crowdfunded it at some point here to kind of like help in its development. And keep in mind, there's only like a couple people really there doing the programming and working on the game currently. And as far as I know, officially, yes, Um, there might be some people that are in the works, but there's no real announcement. I don't think unless there was I don't have to go look at the discord. Dr. Greenspoon and chat could definitely uh, confirm if I'm wrong about that. But it was great Um, because not too long before there was a discussion around their uh, celestial tree, which is their their big uh, uh, skill set, skill trees that kind of tie into their archetypes, which it's not a class base game and by that i mean there are kind of like you could call them classes or archetypes right um for example paladin we all we all know i love the paladin classes i mean i mean how many times has a man gotta say it (laughs) 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 and i know nathan you know resonates so paladin brother from another mother or something you know that's right right. (laughs) so uh but it's cool man find all the bard players in the in the chat where are my bar players (laughs) where are my bars at Bard's my number two. Number two. Oh, oh it's just not good enough. Oh, <laughs> I never quest anymore. Oh, well, yo, man. Lex, are you, you said you played it. You played Valor this past weekend. Hell to the yes, I did. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. What did you really like about what you like about the game so far? Well, a lot of people are going to kind of bash on it because of the the stylistic nature of it. It does have a lot of the same stylized graphics that WoW does. But I need to reiterate this every time I get a chance that art style does not mean it's a co- it's a WoW copy. Mm-hmm. Right. It's just it's it's a smart decision to go with that type of art style simply because the demands on client PCs is much lower versus say something that's photorealistic. Mm-hmm. So it's just simply a smart choice. Um, what I liked was everything was familiar, mm-hmm. but it wasn't anything I had experienced before. There were things that were different. I, I mean, I know how skill trees work. I know how skills work, but they worked a little bit differently in Valar. Um, you're used to how you just run around and you fight things. Well, it was still a little different. I mean, you come across this glittery, what were they called? Like, I think they were imbued mobs, which are uh-huh. kind of like many bosses yep that's cool and mm-hmm. some of them obviously the lower level ones were were kind of easy when you get geared up and the gear was different too um i like how i could technically be a warrior and a berserker at the same time right i can strap on a shield and use an axe instead of a sword and suddenly i'm a aggressive tank um the the fact that all items are Technically, when the game releases, it may change, you know, mm-hmm. as things progress. But um, NPC, NPCs and mobs, they only drop crafting materials. And then items actually have to be made by the players. Which that's a smart move. Smart move. It really is. So even when, you, even when you're taking down these robots, it's to get rare material. Mm-hmm. And that's how it should be. It, it really should be. It should be. I, I don't remember the last time I saw a deer carrying a two-handed axe. Oh, funny. I mean, 
I mean, I, I have done some weird <laughs> things in my life, but I don't think I've ever dropped enough acid to see that. Well, you know, but somebody could have earlier tried to kill the deer. And got the axe stuck, stuck it in it. Stuck in its hide. Yeah, this axe was stuck in the deer's hide and just fell out. Or, you know, as you were like, as you were digging through the deer, you know, you're like, oh, look. Look, someone... Looks like a lumberjack was here. What? <laughs> so the fact that you do have a freedom to more or less build your class on these archetypes is yeah. a really, really nice change. We have seen things that were kind of similar to that in some respects. I mean, like Guild Wars 1, you could dual class. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Stuff like that. But that I mean, was very limited. In it, very, it really, really was. It's it's like if you're familiar with, with Grim Dawn, the ARPG, um, it allows you to do the same thing where you multi-class. It's like mm. that, but to a whole new level. It's way more flexible because it's just swap a few pieces of gear out, use it, and all of a sudden now you can use this tree instead of that tree. Um, I mean, you could basically hold a shield and a wand, and now you you could be whatever you really want to call it. You could be, you know, cultist slash a warrior, mm-hmm. which you call whatever you want. It would be it would be really neat to see special class names come up for these selections, but it's not. Not something that's really needed because you use your imagination. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people will. They'll come up with all kinds of yeah. names of you know uh, builds. It'll it'll also be interesting in a game like that. What ends up being the end game as far as because you know no matter what people try to do, there's going to be like oh this is best for that and this and that. It'll be interesting to see how that all formulates at the end game. You know, uh, right? What, yeah, and I mean, it's going to be a mess up. Like yeah, right. It's yeah. Inevitable. Always. Right. And inevitable. even like right now. It's in you know a, a true alpha stage where it's actually mm. being developed as you see it. Um, you know, there's a lot of linear progression in terms of, of terms of gear. It's this and this and this. It's just because that's the easiest way to test it. Yeah. If we start getting you know multiple options for gear for say heavy or medium or light that are roughly equivalent to each other, just different materials, it's really going to branch out in terms of what gear people are going to be going after, and then it opens up the economy to what components are actually going to be very in demand um on top of all this you know because i could there's plenty of streams up there you can go and watch the gameplay uh there is no nda for any of the testers so everything you see is wide open yeah one thing i do need to mention is uh i was playing with minus from pantheon plus and his buddy theric dr greenspoon did join in with us for a little bit the I've been in software development for a long time. It takes a lot of forethought to build a good system. Yeah. Dr. Greenspoon and his partner, sorry, I forget the name if you're out there. They built a system to where they can very, very easily tweak the game either while it's running or through a quick restart. And the restarts of their server is incredibly fast. We're talking by the time you time out and, and it auto logs you out, you can log right back in. Yeah. So even when it's like, oh, they're sort of coming down, it's really not a pain. So it's like, okay, 30 seconds, I'm back in. Yeah. At, I noticed that as well. When we did so, the, when they had the open testing, was it a month or so back? I can't remember exactly. And I, over don't a month. I wasn't a part of that one. Yeah, it's over a month. Um, yeah. Um, but then when they, there was one, they did a patch and it somehow made the crafting table disappear, which it happens. <laughs> that was quite funny. People realized it. And, but like you say, as soon as we told 
Dr. Greenspoon about it. He was like, right, okay, fine. We're going to roll back the server then. And that took all of five to ten minutes and then back up and running again. No problems at all. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I agree. It's They've built a very solid foundation mm -hmm. for that. And if this is any any indication of the speed that development's going to be taking place once the foundation systems are in place completely, bugs have been squashed, mm -hmm. and maybe they get like an animator or something, you know, I think Valara is going to make mind-blowing speed in terms yeah. of development. Yeah, they've got a solid foundation already. And I wanted to read a couple of things that Dr. Greenspoon, again, one of the two programmers over there, also mentioned in chat here on stream that uh, they've recently gotten um, an artist in place too that's going to be helping for illustrations, UI, et cetera. Um, did say there's an update coming to the Celestial Pass system here in the next build. It said it's going to be a lot better. Um, also, I was talking about kind of the there being a plan, at least over there at their studio, for being able to uh, try to create some class identity, identity and actually hopefully have some names for these weapon combinations for the archetypes that we were kind of mentioning. Um, but I want to sidestep too. So definitely a game. I, I think this is one of those MMORPGs that I know we talked about last time, you know, these independent developers running on passion, you know, Valor's, I mean, the, the beautiful thing about that game um, and yeah, minus from Pantheon plus was there totally dropped by. I, I gave it a, I was there a couple days of the weekend when I could, cause I was te testing a couple other games, which we'll talk about soon. Um, it was a very packed weekend for me, and I was actually very, very pleased all around. Um, so in terms of, in, in regard to Valar, though, um, yeah, th there's already these key fundamental systems that are in place. And yeah, like you said, Lexer, like so many times, you know, they'd be like, hey, we got to run a quick uh, patch or whatever real quick. And it was just seamless. It was so fast. And it was just great to see that level of, uh, you know, a foundation already in place for something so early in development. Um, definitely worth checking that game out. Um, the other one, it's good. Mm -hmm. Lara is really going to sneak up on a lot of people. I think so too. I really do think so too. And, and, uh, the other one I want to talk about, is like last, last week when we talked about, uh, a few of the other games, one of them was Saga Leucemia. Um, and then also we talked about defend the night. And one thing I wanted to mention about defend the night last time was I, I haven't had the opportunity to play that yet. I haven't had an opportunity to really reflect on any of my experience outside of, you know, Alexa, we've done some Q and A's over three of the class uh, classes in that game, kind of doing a class review, uh, had a Q and A with the devs, a handful of the devs over there, really good experience talking to them scribbles here in chat. What up homie? Uh, one of the, one of the people running the show over there at, at defend the night. Um, but you know, this idea of, of the darkness and all that, well, they had this really good, um, um, uh, newsletter that came out and it was a really good newsletter. Like I've gotten a lot of newsletters for games in development or even games that are out. And this is what I thought was really worth like noting here with defend the night. I think they have a lot of potential too. Um, another, you know, one of the games I'm covering for that very reason. But I think one thing to note was, man, that, that newsletter was nice. It was, it had, I mean, it felt very much like a periodical or like a magazine, that you were looking at had a really good chunk of story. You had a discussion with Pi, one of the devs talking about, you know, it's idea of like uh, design for like dungeons and stuff. They had a discussion with a community member. Um, yeah. Good art, you know, good discussion points around the game and kind of where they're at, what they're looking at doing. It was just a really good 
um, uh, kind of content piece for people that are following the game that maybe haven't really gotten a chance to to step in there, test it, or have any kind of experience like that. I mean, clearly they're at a testing place with that right now. I mean, they've been able to show you their their game in Unity in a lot of video clips. Um, so that's one I think definitely worth having on, uh, like our sites on as well. And I'm really curious where that one's going to go. I just wanted to make sure I didn't miss that. Um, but do you guys, any of you have any thoughts around that game before I kind of move on to the next point? Um, yeah. D- with DTN, um, crazy potential. Mm-hmm. Crazy potential. Uh, the team's really great. I, I've, I've worked with them for a while. Uh, love, love their faces. Uh, Pi does just incredible, just cannot fathom the size and complexity of his dungeon. Um, Noeline does amazing stories. Her lore is right. seamless. Uh, Brian is just a madman at a keyboard. He <laughs> he he develops so fast. I'm surprised he has any fingers left. <laughs> and Scribbles is the man with the plan. He's the guy that stitches everybody together and keeps the ball rolling. So yeah, yeah I, I'm, I'm going to say this because. Uh, uh... I've got a promise from those guys that they're going to get me in real soon uh, to explore a dungeon and uh, <laughs> uh, release some information out to people and what to expect. Uh, but yeah, I, that game is interesting. Also, I feel like in art style because it's going for something we don't see a lot of in MMOs. We might see an area like that, but um, it's got that real like dark gothic kind of feel to it. Not to say, I have to say, it's going to have some beautiful areas and stuff like mm-hmm. that, too. But, you know, that graveyard scene, if you just look at the screenshots from the newsletter of that graveyard scene. Yeah. That got me so excited, man. Uh, that's actually the background right now, <laughs> see, Because I can just look at it and be like, oh, I cannot wait right. to go there and experience this. It's just so atmospheric. Uh, I think that's what is really going to uh, pull people into that game is, number one, low level dungeons like level five man you're in the dungeon that's that's gonna like get its claws in you quickly and then also i think this art style kind of that dark thematic is really dark fantasy mm-hmm. yeah yeah that it's got that it's got that just dark dark gritty vibe to it and there's you don't see that you don't see much yeah. of that you think you would yeah, yeah. Like, you think you would see stuff like yeah that. like it's like dark souls you really see it yeah it's just like dark yeah. souls i was gonna say um, it's so popular that's too that's too super popular uh you would think it would be everywhere but it's not right it works for dark souls because it fits with the theme of the game and it works with the mechanics yeah. i don't know how it will work with, i am looking to defend the night oh, yeah. a lot what I did want to say that is um, going back to we were talking uh, what Lexa said about Valor and the mm-hmm. art style there. I think a lot of people, um, and this goes for any game, a lot of people don't know the difference between graphical style and graphical fidelity. Ooh. And I think it's a very important distinction to make. So if we just take Defender Knight as an example, I don't particularly like the art style. I'm going to say that outright. I don't like that art style too much, but that doesn't say mean that the art style is sort of low quality or anything like that. No, it can be very high quality. It's just a different style. And I think that's a very important distinction to make on that. Mm-hmm. So, and, and they do they, 
um, just because I don't like the art style doesn't mean that the game is going to be bad. It's just not for me. So there we, there we go. That's hey, different strokes for different folks. You know what? Exactly. That's yeah. a that's a really good point too. Talking about it's not for you, and I I think that you know I think missed if you take a look and you end up kind of going and do a little review over it, you'll you'll definitely notice some the the even some of the abilities for like a class like a cleric, even which we've seen some imagery for that via videos and everything. Um, you definitely notice like it's not that kind of high fantasy like shiny kind of it, it's all got that just dark fantasy vibe to it like, like shadow knight yeah for sure I definitely totally feels like it i just i just don't particularly like that particular fair style. fair and, and here's the thing though fancy, the, so. the art the art style does really fit the world yeah because oh, and i have a little i have a little bit of inside information and first-hand knowledge on this that yeah, yeah, the <laughs> darkness man as an antagonist I it's like not gonna it. be this typical oh you have to go into the zone to fight the darkness and hooray you save the day it's like no you need to fight the darkness there's the word that's the word i was looking for scribble said grit gritty that's the word that's a good word so speaking of (laughs) yeah speaking of a game i I tested over the weekend i'd been following fractured a bit um we're, we're getting to the pinnacle of me nerding out real hard in a minute so I'm just going to put that out there. Uh, we'll talk about why in a minute anyway. But when we're talking about, about Fractured, uh, I had followed the game. You know, I, had, I wasn't following it super closely. Um, but, you know, it's it's an example of a game. I went and I checked it out this past weekend. One of the one of the two out of three games I tested um, and checked it out. And it, it honestly like it was I had some really good, you know, points around that game. Like it was really clean. Performance was really good. Clearly, still in a very early stage. Like right? there was a very small cutout of what you could really do. Um, similar to Valar, there wasn't like a whole lot of content to go do. It was really testing mechanics and systems that are in place, right? And that was very much what was going on there too. Um, but for me, I don't enjoy the above, you know, perspective like in Diablo, where you're looking over your character, right? Um, it works for games like Command and Comp- Conquer or something for me. I, I'm okay with that, but um, or even Diablo. But you know, when I'm in an MMO. I want to see the world in front of me. I have a habit of, if possible, bringing all my UI elements down to the bottom so that the top part of my screen is nothing but what I see. So I kind of feel a sense of, you know, being engaged in the world. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's almost like a visor, right? And, uh, but the game, look, not knocking it. Like one thing I'll give them is that they were a kickstarted game. So I think that's important to note. So for a game that was also kickstarted, that has fulfilled its obligation, has stayed the course, has made the promises, kept to the promises it made, and is delivering these systems and delivering a game that we can test and that is clearly coming together, looks really good. The only complaint is I wish I could see the world because it looks good and I can't. I'm only seeing the snapshot of above my character, but you know, big pro, big pro point here was that, you know, I jump in, I had no confusion what was going on because the tutorial was there telling me what to do, how to, it teaches you how to craft, how to do all these different things, how to explore. I mean, it keeps you, you know, but then it brings you to a point where it's like, and now you go. And it was just a good vibe, you know, big, big hats off to them. Haven't followed the game closely, but it definitely has potential for anyone who's interested in that game. Yeah, for sure. 
I don't know if any of you have actually checked that out or tested it. I have, yeah. Yeah. It's online for 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I played it for quite a bit. It is a cool game. Uh, my main takeaway from the game was it's gargantuan, right? So they got some technology to, to uh, you know, make the, the zones not by hand, basically, um, uh, to generate these gargantuan landscapes. Um, and it's so early right now, it's kind of hard to tell what the game's really going to end up being like. Uh, but I do like a lot of their ideas. Uh, they're depending on your race, different, you know, PvP mm -hmm. uh, loot rules. And then this one's kind of a mixed bag with the humans. And then you've got the PvE only. So you can uh, pick a, a character to start on continent, depending on what kind of game style you like. But they claim that as you progress in the game, there will be points where you'll have to go to the PvP area, uh, etc. So it's going to force people to maybe do a new play style they haven't uh, given a chance before. Um, we'll see. It's interesting, though. It's very, yeah. definitely an interesting title. Yeah. Oh, man. Kind of, kind of like what, what uh, Wonder Miss was saying about, you know, art style not being for everybody. Yeah. For what's fractured, I'm sorry. It's the gameplay that just drove me nuts. Yeah. They got a lot of really interesting ideas. And for me, it's like if I'm playing top down, you got the perspective of, or the, at least the impression of being like a commander or god or something like that. So that's why an RTS is top down works really, really well, especially for an from an immersion aspect. When I'm playing an MMO, looking down on the top of my character does not make me feel like I am my character. So I feel very detached. Yeah. Which means if I'm detached. You're lucky if you're going to get 30 minutes out of me. Mm -hmm. But again, that's just me. It's I've played preference. Ultima Online. I've played Shadowbane. I've played Lineage 1 and 2. So I'm not, I'm not, you know, it's not like I don't play those style of MMOs. It's just I have a harder time getting into them. And I just couldn't get into it. Yeah, I know that feeling. There's some people who love that style. And like I said, everybody's got their style. Speaking of everybody and their style, uh, you know, I'm a huge proponent for Ashes of Creation. This is a game in development. Also, really? A, yeah, really. Also a <laughs> kickstarted game. Also a kickstarted game. Raised a lot of money. The, the person that's running the show had a lot of money of his own to dump into it. Um, but I will tell you this. Um, I am. I kickstarted it. It was like the first time I ever kickstarted anything. And the first game I kickstarted and uh we had i'm in pi so it's a backer level thing and it's not really part of the backer level to have access but part of their philosophy is that they are using their player base and people that have backed it as like their testers right and so uh they basically open up uh access based on backer level it's also their way of like slowly integrating more players so they can stress test it um incrementally so i get that by design how that works and you know, it's a way for them to let the player base like have a stab at it and kind of get their feet in there and kind of check it out. And, you know, it's good for the community, good for them in, in, tar in terms of testing the game out. Um, and it's not part of our backer awards at all either. Right. But as PI, we have like monthly meetings and stuff like that. And um, I was talking this last about it briefly. We didn't even get into this part last weekend over on the Ashes Pathfinder show, which is the podcast I I host for Ashes of Creation. And uh, Mist is on on it with me, and we've got others that join that roundtable as well. But we talked about the live stream, and we talked about uh, the video that came out 
that uh, Steven posted on YouTube and it was pretty high quality. It was essentially him for an hour and a half running around. Of course, you'll see me in that because I was PI. And so I got to experience that play test too. It was like eight hours open, which was way unexpected. So just got to run around and here's where I'm going to nerd out. There were so many people that hated on that game because they were like, they're lying to people. They're not doing this or doing that. Cause the APOC we get, it was basically for people that don't know, um, this is one something I consider a mistake was that they kind of released this BR game mode thing to kind of test functions of, of the game that they were implementing in like action combat. They were putting art assets in there, building uh, destruction and all kinds of stuff that they were testing out. And of course, you know, they got to a point where people were really hating on the game and spreading misinformation and going, they lied. And of course, in an age where games that get backed are dropping the ball, it's understandable why people would be so sensitive to that. But man, you guys, I tested Alpha Zero, and Alpha Zero was essentially, it was a key access that they allowed a couple years ago to people that just kind of want it for being in their live streams or during community events that they did, like charity drives and stuff, right, you know, around Kickstarter and beyond. And so Alpha Zero was like people that just won keys to check it out. And it was this MMO testing environment. And so the thing that I thought was just beautiful was I went and I played, right? I played Alpha Zero because I had gotten a key. And I'm PI, so I did the testing this weekend. And you guys, like, it was amazing to me because it was just like a mic drop on the haters. I don't think it was purposeful, but all the people were like, they're not using any of this stuff in here. I was like, dude, directly, directly, you can see these things that were in APOC that are now in the MMO being used for combat. I mean, they had an, they had this like toggle for action combat to tab traditional MMO tab targeting that you could hit with a key bind. Hmm. Right. And, and so the combat style changed on the fly, but there was like that moment of change that you had to like, right. Acclimate to. So man, I was literally in the same environment that was alpha zero, but this world looked like I knew it was the same place, but at first glance, you would not have thought it was the same place because so much changed like massive improvement and they're still considering it pre-alpha. So, oh yeah, just a big, it looks fantastic. It does. I, I am being part of the PI testing, but I've seen like the footage that they put out and in top on top of what's really impressive to me is on top of it looking amazing and looking like really smooth gameplay and you can really see the development there was actually one of the other uh pi members uh jalon who has done a video comparison from two years back to now so you can direct comparison you can see the improvements in the stuff that's been done but what impressed me more than that was the smoothness of the gameplay i mean there was very little noticeable like input lag or anything like that or like jumping of course bob's mug um there mobs uh bugged out a little bit that's normal yeah but apart from that very very smooth gameplay and that's been reflected in um the feedback that has been given about the pi test yeah that it's been very smooth yep and the uh the gameplay footage that uh Samo just mentioned that Stephen recorded 
the hardware he recorded in was not high-end hardware. Not by today's standards. We're talking, he did it on a, it was a 1080 Ti and a i7 7700. Uh, so we're talking three years old hardware and he, and it was running smooth as silk. Like absolutely fantastic. I couldn't be happy about that for them. Really, really good. Man, I'm telling you, like, I know I'm, I'm just, I'm bragging about it because it was such a damn good experience. <laughs> you can brag, man. You, Dude, the performance, yes. I didn't expect it. I actually expected the performance to be off, but compared to like Alpha Zero or even APOC, it was like crazy good. I mean, APOC rubbish in terms of performance. Yeah. Like, especially like, the yeah. early iteration, which was, you know, their, their BR, BR testing, which they planned on expanding it into horde mode, which is essentially them testing the AI for mobs, et cetera and world bosses that they would try out or implement in the game. And then they were going to do the castle siege mode, which was going to help them test the mechanics for, which is going to be part of the world combat, which is sieging keeps and stuff. Um, but, you know, I, I'm really happy that they, they kind of scrapped that and kind of put that to the side and just decided that they were going to focus on this alpha one test environment that we're, we're getting to, because I think that that was like just a, it was just a it was just a choice that really impacted a lot of people and it really didn't do any good for their morale, I think, and and for like the community as a whole. But just just much love, man. You know, I mean, I've been following the game for years and it, it was just really nice to feel a sense of redemption as a community member, you know, being even if you took me testing it out and just got to look at it, that hour and a half was like you know, no cleaning up. It was just very raw, but it was, it was great, man. It was just good. And it was, you know, another example of, again, a kickstarted game that isn't dropping the ball on people. So, you know, we're talking about two already that are kickstarted games. So when we talk about this idea that kickstarted games are deceptive and that you can't trust them and all that, like clearly there are, there's a lot of games that have been kickstarted. Path of Exile was a Kickstarter game, right? Um, I'm trying to think of other ones off, off the top of my head. But, Shuffle Knight. Okay. I think. Yeah. So there's lots yeah. of games that. Oh, Project then you, Gorgon. Then you, then, you, then you got your Chronicles. Oh. Which, which was it for everybody? Man. Yeah, I mean, that's, 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 that's the stories that, that, that ruined yeah. many people's lives mm -hmm. uh, because of doing some really shady things like that. Um, mm -hmm. That. I, I I do have to say that I think a lot of us kind of, we were seeing the progress of that game and we knew something was just not right. You know? I have never I seen a that. game that looked worse the more they worked on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. I and swear to God, it's it's, it's like... That's when I... It's like their entire that. team was in regression. Because, you know, the game looked pretty good. You know, it looked oh, like, uh, you know, maybe Pantheon or Defend the Night or something. You know, it looked, you know, that that, that kind of quality. And then uh, all of a sudden they were like, hey, let's show you guys what we've been up to. And we were all like, what is this game? Parkour <laughs> game or whatever. Like, Oh, and then they released that garbage. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Right? Yeah. And then, you know, yeah. the worst part was then they were like, we can't do this anymore. The game's not going to make it. And it was like a week or two later. And they're, you know, like on their Kickstarter, like basically talking about how like, well, we're going to try and get some more funds here. And it's like, what? You just said that you're done. You're done. Like, what are yeah. you talking about? But you know okay, how see, it goes. 
you know when like uh, when a company's not doing well, especially if you own the company, right? And you know things aren't going well, right? And you can see it. It's like we're not going to make it. We, you know, dirty. Uh, and then they knew that, right? We're talking maybe thirty days or so before they announced that they had to give it up. They released a land grab yes. for more cash. Are you kidding me? Selling virtual land for one thing to me in a game that's not even out is. That's right. that, everything that you just said was dying. <laughs> Dude, uh, that's, that's yeah. the thing. Okay. Like, that was just, that was the stupidest, most bonehead move I've ever seen in my life. And I've seen some doozies. <laughs> I used to work at Microsoft. I've seen some. <laughs> um, now, but here's the thing. Like, we're, I know you guys are big fans of Ash Secretion. Yeah. I was back in the beginning, but they've done a lot of things that were just so bonehead that. <laughs> I had to sit there and go, what? Yeah. It's like, are you serious? Do you guys even know what you're doing? You know, and then I won't get, I won't, I won't turn it into a rant, but then yeah. you get like the problems on the forums with those. Oh, not, I don't know about how it is now, but back in the day, those, those real mentally deficient mods that they used to have. <laughs> that, that right there. I mean, you add up those really bad uh, PR moments. Mm hmm. And then bad mods. They lost me. They lost a couple of my friends. They lost a couple of my guildies for life just because of those dumb moves. And you would think that a game like, you know, like Chrono or any, or any game that hits Kickstarter would actually sit down and make sure that they put a, just, just a little bit of work into PR so they don't constantly contradict themselves and look like idiots. Yeah. Just, just a little. It's all I'm asking. Yeah. There were some points where there was, there were several points even on the show where we were going. What's going on, man? Silence is not the way, but I definitely think they're coming back from it. And, you know, everyone's I got, got their... Yeah. I really do, but mm -hmm. they will not get a dime from me. Yeah, ever, you know what I mean? Everyone's got their limits, too. And, you know, the thing about all these games that are in development is sometimes the best bet is just kick back and wait till you get to the point when it launches and make a decision based on what the product is that they're actually putting out. Right. Since since you got to play, and I heard you saying something, I didn't want to interrupt you. Yeah. But you were mentioning in Ashes that you could switch between an action style combat and time. <clears throat> mm -hmm. I'm wondering, in your opinion, you know, and obviously, you know, it could change at, at late game or whatever. Mm -hmm. Just based on the the impression that you got from that, do you think it's viable to play either way, or does it depend? Is it a tactical decision, like? This. Yeah, I honestly, I think it, it's it's really early, early iteration. And I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna preface it with this with this. In Alpha Zero, you just had the traditional. And this is all stuff I can talk about. Like Stephen was like, you can talk about your experience. You can't show visual stuff. Right. So uh, in Alpha Zero, it was it was a hundred percent traditional tab targeting MMO you would be used to, right? Um. In APOC, you got just action combat, right? Third over-the-shoulder action combat. The focus has been taking these two types of play styles and creating some sort of a hybrid system that people could kind of like lean essentially more one way or the other with based on their play style. And okay. there's been a lot of like ideas in terms of like, is that going to work? Are they going to be able to pull it off? I always thought something like the Elder Scrolls Online because if it's like that, then I see that, right? But that's very traditional Elder Scrolls in general with the reticle and all that. 
do I think it's viable based on my experience? Yes. It's clearly not a polished perspective because your play style has to change based on which game, which game mode you're playing in essentially. And you can't just do what you can do currently as it stands. And again, prefacing pre-alpha still. So who knows what this is going to look like in alpha one, two and betas much less long or even less at a launch point. But, you know, based on my experience, is it viable? It was viable in both modes. I could do both. Um, I had to alter my play style though, because in action, you're basically, you're relying on the reticle and, you know, your swings and everything and, and, and facing that and actually aiming at your target to land some of those abilities. Whereas with the traditional MMO mode, it was just very much tab target and rotate your skills. Um, they've got this queue that was there in alpha alpha zero. And the queue is like your, we call it like a normal attack with your weapon basically. Um, and so now that queue kind of goes away. It's still there, but instead of that, you're using your left click when you're in action combat mode. So, and relying on your reticle, whereas before, whereas in tab target mode, or traditional MMO style mode, you are basically having to either have them right in front of you hitting Q or tab onto them, tag, uh, tab target onto them. If it's like a range Q ability, like uh, maybe the mage with a wand or something, right. To be able to shoot. But yeah. So is it viable? Yeah. I definitely think if, if as it stands, it was in the live version, there's definitely a delay in between switching that I'm kind of hoping is actually purposeful so that in maybe PVP scenarios, and this is just me thinking, I don't know if anything, it's just speculation, but I theorize that the reason for that delay and kind of almost seeing the camera shift slightly into different modes, I think that that might exist so that people can't abuse tab targeting and stuff yeah. while, while having to use more skill shot oriented things. But yeah. It seems like it would be viable. Uh, I just have to, I'd have to see it develop more to know if how viable, you know? Yeah. Yeah. One thing to note is that they have said that all hard crowd control abilities will be action combat. Like there won't be tap targets, hard crowd control. Yeah, that makes sense. So that will balance it slightly. And it means Mm -hmm. that if you want to be viable, especially in PvP, you are going to have to use some action combat abilities. Like now, given. with crowd control mm. abilities being action based, will there still have your typical MMO diminishing returns? There's definitely going to be diminishing returns. Yeah. 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 That's going to make things tough. Yeah. This might actually be, it might actually be the one way to make crowd control viable in an MMO for PGP. Yeah. Super curious to see how that works out, man. We're such an early stage with. So many of these games, man. But one more to touch base on before we get into potentially going off the rails. Between, <laughs> I feel I'm really proud. By the way, we've made it in 46 minutes or something of the show, and we haven't derailed off some of the points I was really hoping to hit on. Which means we're gonna have plenty of opportunity to do that soon. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I've, I've had to hold, I've had to hold myself back a couple times. I'm like, ah, no, let's not. Let's not that <laughs> no, let, let wait for it. Man, <laughs> Let the train derail. <laughs> hey, so Tim loves it. <laughs> hey, man, it makes for good content. Chat's loving it. Look at him. 
here's uh here's another point like and i know that nathan i think you follow this game more luxor i think you do too i'm not sure about miss but pantheon rise of the fallen right oh yeah um we talked about this a little bit before we began and i have not followed the game right not out of any you know negative bias or anything like that i I just never it was just not it just wasn't there for me it wasn't one i really ever had incentive none of my friends talked about playing it at the time right nobody was really talking about it It was actually yeah just kidding (laughs) yeah I feel like this ties into the last Ashes Pathfinder show where Pacha is all talking about how he doesn't have any friends. I'm like, hello, we're right here. Uh, but uh, Pantheon, man, like uh, there was one thing I just I, I saw. This is the only well, I take that back. It's not the only I've seen other live streams around the game. Um, but this was the only time I really saw a development oriented topic. And they talked about, um, oh, my gosh, what's it called? uh combat synchronizing yes huge now for anybody who knows i play the old scrolls online have for years former emperor all that jazz got the titles and all that right like my pvp a wonderful time in eso right now because i'm not in pvp (laughs) antiquities are great um but what's the main thing i complained about so i don't know if y'all know this or not so update 25 graymore is the newest expansion and it released um a week a little over a week ago now uh and Graymore has got like the vampires had a change of vampire skill line the antiquity system which if you're familiar with world of warcraft's archaeology you'll kind of catch a vibe on what that's like um they released mythic items which are uh gear items that you literally have to find out there through antiquities and these have their own bonuses changes the way we have to approach theory crafting which is great from my perspective um a lot of good content really with the game and honestly i played it uh not too long ago over the weekend after they stabilized things and it felt pretty good but um i haven't gotten into pvp yet i have a really tasty lights vigil build because sim went vampire lights justice reigns and with teeth so but my big complaint with update 25 was when update 25 happened before update 26 which is the graymore update it just messed some things up. They were making changes to the launcher, how much data uh, game files you would store on your computer. People had to reinstall the game through the launcher. They made changes and attempt to fix desyncing from things like blocking and combat. And the problem is, is that a lot of people's ping is messed up, weren't staying connected to the game. Could Some people couldn't stay connected and play the game. Uh, combat desyncs and battlegrounds and trials all kinds of stuff, which are raids for anybody who doesn't know what trials are in that game. And lots of problems in combat, just this feeling of desyncing. And very clearly, like, I press an ability and 1, 1,000, 2, 1,000. Oh, there's the ability. That's the kind of problems we're talking about. Um, anyway. Let's put it this way. Update 25 was a typical Bethesda update. Man, it hurt. It hurt. And the game felt pretty damn good. Before that, actually, it was at a really good place from my perspective, just my opinion. Um, and I was enjoying it, like it tons up until that update. So fast forward to Graymore, all of our experiences with 20, update 25 and the problems to Pantheon's live stream, where they literally talked about this important perspective. That is the one the Elder Scrolls Online currently is not hitting the mark on, which is 
this idea of if I'm casting a spell, uh, damage ability, whether it's AOE or it's single target, when you watch that cast bar end or the animation end, right? When that spell or attack hits, you watch the hit point indicator right on right on time. Yeah, they put a lot of a lot of things into consideration for this uh, combat sync, or I call it a client sync. Uh, stuff like if you have an ability queued up, then the last little bit of your animation actually speeds up so that you can flow into the next animation very smoothly. And then it, yeah. it also takes into account your latency, which is probably one of the biggest deals with online games. And someone's finally taking that into account. Yeah. 15 years, 20 years later. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the, the speeding up of the animation, too, solves a lot of issues. Um, uh, one of my pet peeves, I mean, it doesn't bother me that much, right? But uh, something that I definitely notice as an artist when I'm playing a game is when uh, there's an animation and it's an animation cancel. And it just, and then it goes into another animation, jarringly, sometimes even skipping like where the motion of their hands and body should be. Uh, that bothers me a lot. Like right. it just, it's very, it takes me out. It's something you accept playing video games, and you kind of get used to, you know, because you, you know, all video games, you know, have some sort of issue with this. But them being able to take all these factors into play, and then the animation can be sped up. Uh, incrementally or, or, or just a fraction or whatever it takes for it to be a smooth transition to another animation is not something I expected an indie developer yeah. to even think of. You know what I mean? And for somebody to go that deep into things really shows the dedication these guys have to just making sure that you have a lot of fun playing the game, you know? Yeah, it's one of those things where it's a small detail that most people overlook, but it means so much. Yeah. I mean, they said that themselves. They said it's something that you don't really uh, like realize is happening when the gameplay is really smooth. But as soon as the gameplay gets out of sync, you notice it. And oh, yeah. it feels really, really bad. And, and Sim will rant on this forever and ever about <laughs> how bad it feels to like, even just that little bit of input lag where you mm. press a button and then a quarter of a second, it may not seem like a lot, but a quarter of a second makes a huge difference when you're playing a game. It's an eternity. It's a little bit. It, it really oh, yeah. is. <laughs> it, it's a huge difference. And you feel like you have no just, control. That's yeah, absolutely. Yes. Well, happens, yeah. I can't help it, you know? Yeah. It sucks. I it mean, really does suck. Yeah, because like literally, you know, when I'm like running around, I'm in combat, like I literally will go and ask somebody to clip it, right? And they'll clip it. And then I go back and I'm sitting there watching it on stream and you can see the animation and see this like quarter second of me counting it, literally counting it on stream and telling you how much time there's a delay there. Like there's evidence, right? So yeah, this was something that caught my attention with Pantheon. Granted, there's probably a lot of other things about the game that are great. It just out of my own, just not knowing, right? Out of ignorance, because I haven't research i saw that and i was like oh my god that caught my attention because yeah, it's huge and the other big update that we got from pantheon was uh, in my opinion was uh, the perception system they showed it off right they showed off a really good example of how that works which is basically a system where 
uh, you can get story or lore bits naturally or organically. In other words, if you're a warrior and you're a human, then you might get a ding of, of some kind of lore perception because that deals with your race and or class or maybe both. Or maybe it could be statistical based. What's the stats of your character, uh, et cetera. So there's all these things go into it and they can lead to quests, um, all kinds of things in the world uh, that could happen. And they showed that off and I'm not going to try to explain it. It's really worth the watch on their official channel. Uh, uh, but it, it's fantastic, man. It's something that's really going to change the way people behave in the game because they can't just look up, you can't just find a guide. There's so many uh, intricacies for what it might take to get that ping that we're talking about things that people may not discover for five, six, seven years after the game launches because nobody with the very specific amount of uh, things needed for that ding have come along and seen it. You know what I mean? And somebody just randomly finds it seven years later. You know, so pretty epic stuff. Man, that is... See, I, I feel like these ideas like this are things that I am just... It, it just... It fascinates me. It, it reinvigorates. Like like you talked about that dragon last time, right? Chasing that dragon, right? That is kind of like our 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 experiences not not directly our stories but that jet sense of how a game can cause us to feel and i don't think that's uniquely tied to our first experience in a genre because i've had an experience like that with the dragon multiple times in different games right and one of the things i, I find so fascinating is this idea and ashes of creation kind of has some ideas around this tying into like their node system like there seems like there's a potential to um, just find certain things by circumstance out in the world. I'm kind of curious how things like seasons in that game are going to tie in. But but what you're talking about with Pantheon, it kind of reminds me of that it's not the same, but you know it's that element of through your adventures, right? That yeah. you you ex you you come across something and you know, maybe you were the first one that did. And then there's this idea of on our server, our story of our experiences. And I think other things like way back in the day, finding a legendary, you know, yeah. getting a legendary and everyone's like, Oh my God, we just got this. And they're saying we is in our server. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Let's say, Sim, if you wanted to be sold on Pantheon, you probably got the two best candidates here to sell it to you. <laughs> I need more games. Trust me, with, with Pantheon, it's 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 a real nod Damn to it. the to the old school heyday, but they're not locked into the old methodology of it all. It takes what we love from back in the day, you know, having to rely on other people, having to be social, having yeah, real man. challenge, and not just being spoon fed these epics. And you know, I was like, oh, you killed a buddy here. Here's a legendary sword. Good for you. <laughs> you get a sword. And you get a sword. You get a sword. You get a sword. What, you know what, what, what Lexter just said, too, I want to say, um, it, it's what I miss about MMOs. This is the best way to sum it up quickly, is I used to play EverQuest or Final Fantasy XI or whatever in Dark Age Camelot, uh, Ultima Online, whatever. And I'd be back at work, you know, there'd be the cigarette break or whatever, and everybody's talking about what they did that weekend. I'd be like, ah, I was playing... Uh, Ultima Online or whatever, 
And I had a story to tell, though. It wasn't just like I played the game, I ran the dungeon 5,000 times, you know? Like, that's not a story. I'm probably not even going to tell you I did that. I'm just going to be like, I played some video games, right? <laughs> but I would actually have a story. I'd be like, yeah, my friend was trying to, we were trying to teach this lower level, like trying to train up his skills. He brought some lizards through a portal into somewhere where it was safe with the regards. And he pulled too many. It was a train. It came through the portal. There was a war outbroke. We had to call our guild members. Everybody came. They were killing the lizards. The guards were all dead. The NPCs were dead. There was, you know, the whole server had to come together. That That's a true story, by the way. But <laughs> I had stories. Stuff happened to me. I had memories. And, uh, you know, I remember them forever. And I can play a modern MMO and literally not have a single, unless I tell them about the story in the game, uh, then nothing happened. There wasn't there wasn't a lot of interaction. There wasn't a lot of uh, social gameplay. And that's why I like MMOs because yeah. there's so many people, anything could happen, you know? So, yeah. yeah. Visionary Realms, the creators of Pantheon, they're actually, they're, they're, yes, they're building a game, but they're also building a platform for you to have adventures. Yeah. Yeah. And it's something we, I mean, we touched on this last week, the sense of adventure and the journey that you go on, which is lacking in so many different MMOs. And what's bizarre about this is that this problem is only found really in MMORPGs. You look at single-player RPGs, and they've got that kind of thing in bucket loads. right? Mm -hmm. And it's so bizarre. You think that MMOs would have an advantage here because you can meet other people in the world and share your adventures with them, but that doesn't happen. And it's, it's just bizarre. It's so bizarre. Hey, the way of the industry, you know, it's kind of been filtered down to lowest common denominator to make an extra dollar. Yeah, that's uh, true. Oh, yeah. People on the rails. True. Like rail shooter. Yeah, we talked about this a little bit, a little bit last time. Scribbles was talking about, don't forget about Hytale. Developers of uh, the people that created, is it the people that created or developed Minecraft? Kind of has a... Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the the devs for that Minecraft game that we're coming out with an MMO. Um, and it kind of has a, I don't know, when I saw it, it kind of like had Zelda vibes a little. Yeah. Mm. Mm. yeah. Yeah, there was actually this RPG game I played recently called Eternal Edge. I got a key from the devs to check it out. And that thing is screaming a, a cross of like Final Fantasy meets, meets like Zelda, Breath of the Wild a little bit. It's yeah, RPG, dude. It's like pretty damn. It's pretty good, man. Like I'm actually gonna play that. To be indie developed, well, it's only a couple of people made uh, that game, right? Uh, Eternal That's Edge. Great. Yeah, Eternal Edge. Yeah, they Eternal Edge. Uh, but yeah, but Hytale is the supposed to be an MMO. That's you know kind of Minecraft esque vibes because some of the people that developed Minecraft. Yeah, um, let's see. Yeah, 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 pretty much. I mean, I haven't tried the Minecraft dungeons yet, but, yo, can we talk about this Lord of the Rings online? Please do. Oh, my God, I'm ready. I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm Are freaking... You some, some lore bombs on us? Oh, my God, I'm a nerd so hard, you guys. <laughs> okay, so if you don't know, maybe you don't, right? By the way, can I just give a big hoorah to, by the way, we have this podcast on spotify and itunes along with podbean now so also want to make take a moment to mention that we have a number that you can call it might have a fee but but it it is normal calling so no matter where you're at 
you know, whatever your service is, this is going to be 1-539-664-6801. It'll be posted everywhere soon. People that enjoy the podcast could be able to do call-ins and maybe bring up game discussion points, uh, things they want us to check out. Maybe we haven't heard of yet. Kind of like what we're doing right now. Maybe even comments for people on the show. Obviously, it'll be screened, so don't be that guy. It won't make it. But if uh, you got something cool to say, feel free to give us a call and and drop you know, us a message. We'll play it here on the show. Part of me wanted was expecting the <laughs> coming to a stall at a truck stop near you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we posted we posted it soon. But so there is Lord of the Rings Online, an MMORPG that has existed. I want to say it came out around or a little after. Was it 2011 when it came out? 2011 it came out. It's okay. been around for a long time. Yeah, so this game is is basically run along with the events of Lord of the Rings, movies that, as they had released and kind of goes along with the books. You know, you're you're not the hero, you're just a person in the world as the as this story of the Lord of the Rings is playing out. So, you know, pretty cool. I've played the game before. They actually had something recently, and I wish I had it on tap. Definitely will be dropped. The links are in, in the in the Discord, in my community Discord, so anybody who wants to join can and check it out. But um, basically, they kind of have the opportunity to get some free content uh, at low cost by doing deeds and stuff in-game. But let's get to the point. Amazon purchased the rights to make uh, you know stuff and things around the universe of Lord of the Rings. And... Essentially, I knew about this a while back, but let's talk about it. Now, Miss did a little research, too, and before the show started, kind of shared that there is an Amazon show that will be based in the second era, correct? Yeah. So <clears throat> from what we've been told so far, the both the new Amazon TV show, by the way, I don't quite know why they decided it, it's bizarre. Um well, I get why they're doing it because they want lots of money, but they dropped two hundred and fifty million dollars uh, just to just for the rights to make a TV show of Lord of the Rings. Um, so they're doing that and the game as well. And both are apparently going to be set in the second era, which for anyone who's not familiar with the lore of Lord of the Rings, the second era ended with the final battle between the Alliance of the men and the elves versus Sauron where Sauron's ring got cut off his hand. That was the very end of the second era. So we're talking pre that point. That's when both the new game and the TV show are apparently being set. Oh, I wanted, I've always wanted to know that story. Like we've getting, we get the snapshots of what happened with Sauron and yes, confirmation in chat. Someone said 2007, I thought it was closer to when, yeah, WoW, original WoW <laughs> released. Like, because I felt like it was after it, and it was close enough to proximity of the movies, so that makes sense time-wise. Uh, but yeah, man, like, who else wanted to, like, who else wouldn't enjoy seeing either a movie, a show, or a game where we get to see his end? We got to see those snapshots, but to see that story play out, oh. I would also like to mention that they have, announced that although they're doing a show and an MMO that take place in the same era, that the show is not binding the MMO down in any way. In yeah. other words, there'll be characters, obviously, in the show that don't even show up. They're not going to be like part. It's not like you're going to have to play through the show story in the MMO. They're right. 
which, which is good news because when Troyon did Defiance, oh. they, that that worked out so well. Right? <laughs> exactly, that's what I thought of. Exactly what I thought it was. Like I better make sure everybody doesn't get the Defiance vibes. Um, but yeah, Lord of the Rings, man, what a world! Yes, MMO in, right? is uh, Tolkien's universe is obviously just ripe for the taking. Like uh, it's a world that probably absolutely everybody that even listens to this podcast at some point, at least in their childhood, wanted to live in or experience. Mm -hmm. uh, just awesome uh, fantasy world, uh, classic introduction to fantasy. Hell yeah. And, you know, Lord of the Rings Online did a good job when you go to, like, Hobbiton in the game. You see that and you're like, oh, my God, dude. Like, it, it looks <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. They just yeah. did such a good job of captivating the story and it just felt like the books or the movie. It just, it felt good. Um, so God, I hope that they can do that and, uh, it would be such a beautiful thing. Yeah. I like the idea of them not tying that in too, too closely, having two different, two different stories to kind of run their own, their own course. So would you rather, if you had to, if you had a preference, would you rather that the, the story leading up to Sauron's end was a game a sh or like a show I, a show definitely i i feel like if they did it in the game at least initially it would be too much too fast personally i'd prefer to sort of spend at least a couple of years maybe even longer just in that middle section of the second era without even going near Sauron at all mm. or at least very vaguely like because we know he had lots of influence with the orcs like terrorizing most of the world during that point but then we don't want to actually get to confronting sauron until like way down the line yeah so i i definitely prefer to hold off on that at least yeah. for a couple of years if they last that long yeah i mean amazon man they got you know some talk too because what's the other mmo they're working on new world that's that's the most recent to supposedly be released, right? It's yeah. The How are they going to manage that? Because it's essentially the same studio, and they're splitting development between two different MMOs, different teams. God, yeah, sure they've money. got the money for it, but it's not just about money; it's about actual people and time. True. And you yeah. can't just keep throwing money at the game and expect it, it to work. Josh Medley on one of the Amazon teams for one of the MMOs? Yeah. Last I heard, he was on one of them. I want to say New World, but I could be wrong. And sure that's one of the reasons why I haven't been even looking at it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that, that man could destroy WoW. Just give him 10 minutes. <laughs> that's a little concerning. I'm going to have to do a little research around this one. So hopefully he's on the New World team, I guess. No, I I, I don't want to I don't want to talk bad about John Swift. I got respect for him, even though I know why everybody hates him, and uh, it's understandable. And I definitely oh no, I respect him. the man. Yeah, yeah I mean, everybody's I got to give the man a little. You know, he, he had a rabbit play, so yeah. Right but he the minute he started taking his claws into the game into EverQuest, it went downhill. I know, and then. That, I'm not going to mention. There's an MMO we shouldn't even mention that uh, has his name all over it. So we, we'll just move on. <laughs> <laughs> um, Next. You know, Next. <laughs> Miss, didn't you mention something about a, uh, a game studio and an indie studio? What was that about? Oh, 
are we gonna are, are we gonna do this okay let's do this yeah we're gonna do this i don't know what this is either so it's probably gonna bug me this, this is sad so um there was a indie studio called star theory games which had a contract with take two uh to make some game i don't even know what the game is um but from what i understand there's an article um am i allowed to link it in in chat yeah that yeah man you got you yeah, got privilege, yeah. do that so that's there to... All right, um cool. basically the long and the short of it is that take two have cancelled the contract like stopped all funding for the game what? and then they uh wrote to all the employees of this uh indie dev studio not as like an official statement or anything they did it all through private messages on linkedin basically saying we're cutting the game come work for us instead what i know right so they that cut the funding for the game work. and then they basically try and poach all the all the people from that studio no kind of makes yeah. you wonder if they, they did something that dishonorable despicable choose your adjectives as you see fit um because maybe there was like a disagreement with the developers who knows? Who knows? We're only getting snippets. And also, for people that don't realize, uh, large uh, company, we're talking about Grand Theft Auto. Uh, yeah. So billions, uh, tens of billions of dollar uh, company. So crazy. Dang. Yeah. And it, this up. is not the first time like a big studio has, sorry, a, a big publisher has done this kind of thing. I mean, EA is notorious for doing it. Ubisoft have done it. Activision have done it. Mm -hmm. It's so sad. And it really makes me worry. It makes me, yeah, it makes me worried for the whole game industry, as it were, because the it's almost like these big publishers are feeling threatened by the indie devs and Dang. are trying to, like, just shut them out, which is bad for everybody involved yeah right? it's, it's bad for us too the game yeah yeah it's bad for us because then we lose out on games which we ideally would like to have it's bad on the indie devs obviously because they get shut out of business and then it's bad on the publishers because they get this bad cred and oh i i hate it so much well that's I, the thing i, really I mean do. all these triple a studios and publishers they think that all of this bad PR and stuff that's going on is because it's this whole, you know, take down the rich people. And it really isn't. I don't give two craps yeah. how much money. Because if, you, if you've earned it, good for you. Yeah. But yeah. it's when you are the shadiest pile of scum or collection of scumbags that you could possibly find to screw like people who are just looking to get a little bit of enjoyment out of something you're screwing them out of like what an extra dollar extra two whatever the heck you can squeeze out of them for what for a number on a piece of paper mm. just so you can go to people and be like yes instead of making 15 percent profit we made 17 percent profit it's like okay 15 was still good yeah you still made money yeah but you're be greedy greedy little douchebags and i get it that's how business works but there is going to be a critical uh, or a point of critical mass where when you're dealing with something and like games 
that are meant for enjoyment that a lot of people owe an awful lot to. Like, I know I'm one of a very large amount of people who actually owe their lives to gaming. Um, it's more about, it's, it's not about the money for us. But when we see you take something that we, we seriously have strong feelings for, or even ties to, and then you literally rape it for a dollar. How are we supposed to view you? We can't view it any other ways than just piles of garbage. Doesn't matter how much money you make. Doesn't matter if you if you claim you're triple A. Mm-hmm. You're still garbage. Yeah. And not only do they try and rake us for every bit of cash, but then they also lie to us. Yes. And and like insult our intelligence with bullshit statements. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like and it's not a like, loot box. It's a surprise mechanic. Oh man. And then they'll go on a big rampage. Oh, pirating is hurting the industry. It's like, well, if you gave us a reason to actually give you money, we probably would. Mm. You know, I mean, I don't fault anybody for doing that kind of thing. Granted, it's illegal. I don't con- I don't promote you do that. But do I blame them? I really don't because I wouldn't give those people a dime. I really wouldn't because I don't. I I, I will go to the engineers to support good people. I won't lift a finger to support bad people. You know, I kind of, I, I think that, I think sometimes these AAA companies that have these, ex, you know, exploit, exploitative like practices, they, they should be nervous about the, the indie developers because the people that, I mean, so many indie developers that are working on games are doing it because that, they yeah, they care and they recognize that there's this empty space that used to be occupied by these people. But, and I'm not saying the developers of the game specifically, it's, it's more of that like corporate entity running the show that these devs like, you know, in place are like, you know, working with to create the game. So they have this like dollar amount they're trying to get. And so they focus on that money, money, money at the top of the chain. And so meanwhile, these experiences of the games and the community and like the things that, you know, so many of us think used to matter, are, are just fading away to where there's not really a cutout hardly anymore of that. And all these indie developers like, you know what, if, if nobody else is going to do it, then we're going to do it. And yeah. I think that these AAA studios that have these practices should be worried because the player base wants an honest game and you should feel threatened when an honest game comes out. That's willing to take the risk to do what you with all the money chose not to do because that was what was more important to you. Well, it's, it's kind of like this. If, if I, if I buy a game on steam or whatever platform I decide mm-hmm. and it's from a triple A studio and I don't enjoy it, I refund it as fast as I can buy it. I refund it. If it's an indie studio doing a passion project or you know, credit people need to eat. So if I know it's a small company doing what they love, mm-hmm. Even if I'm not really enjoying it, I'm probably not going to refund it. It doesn't have anything to do, but if I enjoy it, it's the fact that it's like, right. I get what you're doing and I, I can mm-hmm. respect that. You deserve this if I like it or not. Yeah. But when it comes to these AAA companies, it's like, no, you screwed up. You don't care about me. You don't care about anyone else. You don't even care about the product that you're making. Mm-hmm. So no, you can't have my money. And it's, I like it's very much about the 
um like sim said the uh the the big corporation as opposed to sort of the individuals on the ground i i've got no doubt that the people who like make these triple a games the actual developers and engineers yeah they put their heart and soul into things true then more often than not it's ruined by these microtransactions and and the selling i mean i'm sure we could all name a game off the top of our heads that was a fantastic game but has been ruined by microtransactions True. And that which comes to head for me is uh, the Mortal Kombat series. Oh, yeah. really? Fantastic games, yeah. I didn't know that. The latest Mortal Kombat, fantastic game, but completely ruined by microtransactions. Oh, no. It's just sad. Yeah, and it's bad. Yeah. That game. Yeah. Bad game. And, you know, Dr. Greenspoon makes a very good point where if you have a certain skill set and you don't like what's going on out there, you can do something about it. But here's the thing. In terms of game development, this is a golden age for the home user. Yeah. It has never been easier to make a game. True. It has never mm. been more accessible to make a game. Yep. There has never been a better time that you can gather support, gather a team to make a game. Even if you don't have two freaking clues how to do it, we have all the resources yep. to learn. True. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I download think that, Unity and get started. Nathan, I think that you need to do the indie. The whole indie thing is kind of like a uh, it's kind of like a revolution. But what's funny about it is if you just back up a, a little bit and you think about what the gaming industry used to be like not too long ago, uh, really, this is indie developers are what it used to be like, right? Like think of Bethesda back then, right? True. Like, all days. That was just a few dudes like just had a, a vision, wanted to pull off something really cool, something never been done before, et cetera, and, and, and make this world and all this kind of thing. And back then you didn't need the fanciness, right? Yeah. You could just uh, your basement make a game if you, it got people's attention. You know, instead of crowdfunding, you had to, you had to get a publisher's attention, but they were looking for right. people like that, like Black Quaid uh, making uh, War Wizard and got picked up by John Smedley for EverQuest, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So that was common back then. And indie developers are doing the same thing. They're just saying, skip the, skip the publisher. Uh, I'll get crowdfunded. I'll get, I'll get people that like my vision to help fund me. And I'll just take it straight, straight to the, to the, to the hands of the user. So it's really very similar to the old days of gaming. And that probably does threaten uh, big companies because right. uh, look at, look at Square Enix who, not two a couple of years ago tried to make a division of their company to make indie games i can't think of the name of it but they made all those uh, jrpgs um can't remember supposed to be type style like old school um so they were trying to cash in a big company on that style of game but the the in my opinion the soul wasn't there uh you know it was it didn't it didn't come across like they wanted but you can see that developers are getting worried because pieces of their profit, of their share of the market are, are being lost. So, Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking too, like of even Blizzard, like back in the day with just Warcraft, right? Like that was like a bunch of guys in a garage, man. Like, you know, and then what happened? Like, you know, from my perspective with World of Warcraft, it, it didn't go wrong because of the people who made the game or the developers, it, it went wrong because of the, the 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 CEOs of like Activision that once they got bound to that corporation, man, you know, it, it starts to become about money. And then 
you know, the things that are being developed end up being things that are going to help them to monetize. You know, Mark, I think Mark Kern said it best. I was watching one of his uh, chief chats, his live streams for his current game, game Ember. Um, and he said it the best where he said, um, when he was working on his game Firefall, it was a fact that the people who were the investors and the publishers and stuff, these are people who don't know anything about games. They know an awful lot about business, but they don't know a damn thing about games. They don't understand them. They don't want to understand them. They just know money in needs to equal money out. Or sorry, the other way around. Money Man. out needs to equal money in. You know, That's all and it's literally destroying the industry. You know, when you when you were saying that, man, that actually reminded me of something when I was playing like that game I talked about, Eternal Edge. Uh, mm -hmm. I tried a game called Gedonia not too yep. long back, uh, which released on Monday, and it's an RPG, kind of open world RPG. It's still still it's early access, and I think Eternal Edge is early access. I think Eternal Edge is actually on like Switch and for PC, I think. But um you know, it kind of, it, it, there's, there's something that bums me out actually a lot lately when I have the opportunity to play these like games by indie developers is I'll go and I'll be like trying to like, this is just, I'm just going to like soapbox real quick on this one. And if for any developer listening, please, please, please hear me on this. Okay. If you do not have a Twitter for your game, you need to make one. You need to make all of the important social medias. I don't care if it's two people in a studio. Trust me on this. This is so, so important. I'm going to tell you why, okay? Like, even as a live streamer, like, I've been doing this since 2012, right? I've had my peaks and my valleys. But my point is this, okay? Like, networking and tying in and linking is super, super important, especially this day and age when you want to market your product. Uh, and if you don't have a Twitter, a person that streams that game, puts a YouTube video out, is talking about it in their communities who has those social media, cannot reference you, cannot tag you. And that is super important. And not only is it important that they can do that, it's important that you can invest that same energy back on a daily basis and just literally retweet their stuff, like their stuff. Uh, you know, ask questions to your community on Twitter, on Instagram, whatever, right? And, and literally engage. You engaging in, like, and I know not everybody's got marketing, right? But this is just like a basic one-on-one free tip from somebody who's done content creation and has learned it along the way, right? Doesn't matter what your numbers are, how many people are following your Twitter. If you have that and you are consistent with posting things that engage in the public, they will engage with you if they care about your game if they care about your product or whatever, they will share it and that will let people in their community know that gives you the opportunity to link with those people, their communities. And it's, it's a circle and that's how you grow, right? Even when you're talking about some and that, and you could take that same construct and apply it to this show right here. It's just a fundamental truth, right? Uh, yeah. You got it. Don't really yeah. give enough credit to word of mouth. True. It really is probably the number one way to get exposure yeah and it makes sense. i mean think about it you got twitter which is a public platform for opinions basically mm -hmm. and whenever i share something on twitter everyone that follows me even people who don't follow me can see that yes it's technically word of mouth it's just in a digital format i go to a discord server and i start talking to someone about games and all of a sudden i mention hey you should go check out defend the night hey you should go 
check out this. You're going to go check out that. Here's why. And then suddenly there's five, six, seven new people. And because the people who see this don't always interact with it, but they still read it. And then they tell somebody. And then those yeah. people tell somebody. And yes. it's snowball. Free so advertising. Not, yeah. But the thing is, when you're using social media, you have to interact. You have to want to interact with your community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, yeah. It, it's also very disheartening too when you find something really cool like i'm always looking for something nobody's talking about or whatever like a indie rpg or whatever and i find it i'm all excited and then i've looked into it and i best game like oh this is perfect for my audience and yeah and then i i make a video and, and i do all my homework and then i release a video and then i go to twitter they don't have a handle i can't even dude right oh man that bothers don't me. you and dude tell me truth right don't you automatically feel bummed for the game Dude, I'm like, well, this is hurting them, you know, like, yeah, like, damn, they had such a, it's like, you just recognize that missed opportunity for more people to know. It's like seeing a fancy car and realizing it has like an AM FM radio inside. You're like, like, oh, this is awesome. (laughs) It's such a bummer, man. Yeah. I mean, it's so important. I'm just like, damn, like, and sometimes I'm going, man, if I had more time, I'd take up the. I would, I, if I had, if I didn't, if I didn't do, if I didn't like host podcasts and, and do content and stuff like that, like I, if I just was just an oral person and I didn't have anything else going on, like I, I, I like, I wanted to take that up because I just was like, because it's like, man, you really, you enjoy that game and you like, man, I wish more people knew about this. Cause like deep down they made a good game and it's a bummer that so many other people who love video games will never know about it yeah and it, it hurts my feelings personally for some re- you know really dumb reason uh that knowing that there's a gamer out there that this is everything they wanted yeah they don't know about it like their chances of knowing about it are slim to none you know True. That, that really bothers me a lot yeah it's tough man it really is tough for me too dude not gonna lie so you know i hope this reaches some developer out there one of these days who hears these words and i probably need to make a point to say it more regularly in different places because just you know and also it's like you guys made a good game you you know i feel like they deserve to have more people willing to support them and purchase their product and like experience it you Mm -hmm, know they put all that hard work into it i'm sure we've all had games that were so good right yeah Um, you know, maybe the publisher screwed it up, which is uh, pretty common or whatever. But whatever reason that this really cool idea or game didn't make it, that that feeling of remorse to me never goes away. You yeah. Know, like the game of Vanguard Saga of Heroes that for the rest of my life, I'll be like, man, what a cool game. I can't believe it didn't make it. That sucks really bad. You know, mm-hmm. uh, because you build yeah. a whole world, especially in MMOs, like you build a whole world and it's gone now and there's no return to it. That's depressing. That is. Yeah. And I know a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, developers or even publishers or whatever out there will say like, you know, we just don't have the people to do it. Oh, especially dude. if you're indie. Make, but, gotta make it happen. But here's the thing. It's just like having a moderator in your discord or your forums True. or your stream. Someone will volunteer to True. do it for you. Just need to vet them properly. True. So true, dude. 
And I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna piggyback off of what I'm seeing in in chat. Actually, um, by the way, if people if you if you do comment on this video on YouTube or you know even here in chat, like and you make a point, like I will definitely be reading that. I'm gonna make more of a point to read comments in the future. Um, also, along with the the whole you know call in idea and mailbag idea too. Which by the way, you can send a a mail to the LFM show at Gmail if you want to leave one for the show. I got some points, good points in, in chat here. And I'm just going to piggyback and say, Defend the Night does a really good job of this. A really yeah. good job. Over a year and a half. Award or something for the work he's done. True. Like a year and a half, I've been following that game, right? And been in the Discord, and it does not fail. Like, this was one of the things that Ashes of Creation was like, I was like going, come on, man, do this. Because I'm seeing... I'm seeing the defend that I do it with far less people like clockwork every week. And I'm like, if you just do that during that dark phase that we had in the, in the, you know, the community where they were kind of like not talking a whole lot, it would have carried so much weight and they do a great job every Friday, Saturday, Saturday, usually like clockwork, you get this tweet going with this little, uh, video clip snapshot of explanation of what they've worked on and you get to look at it. And it's really cool, man. Like I, I make a point to share it. Perfect example, right, of what I talk about. Community gets to see it. They get to share it. Other people get to see it. People get to comment and interact. You get to interact. And I think that works so well for Defend the Night, right? I'm not playing the game. I can't show it to anybody, but I can show people this. And they just don't miss a beat. It's consistently there. And it's such an important piece that they are just really capitalizing on, even, even though they are a smaller studio. Um, and then, um, yeah, look at that. So yeah, see this. Okay. So, so Ravuda is actually a, a fellow community member with Ashes of Creation. Spent 18 months on my first indie game. Really good points on the forums. If you're an Ashes fan, definitely worth checking out his uh, forum posts. He's got some really good ones. Um, and, uh, did a really nice visual, uh, that the studio didn't actually have for all the races and like, you know, these elements of like classes and things like that. Really nice visual piece. It was really good, by the way. If I didn't tell you, dude, good job, man. Um, but the 18 months as of doing his first indie game, didn't focus on Twitter marketing. Harsh lesson to learn. There you go, man. Yeah. Truth. So go on, go on. No, no, you go. You go. I'm just sighing and just, uh, you know. yeah, it is. It really is, dude. <clears throat> And, but, and you know what else is uh, the communication, like you were just talking about the community and with, the, uh, you know, always sharing and everything. Uh, it's also very like, okay, so all all developers at some point, especially when it's open development, like yeah. company, it has to be, you go through this phase where you just need to bunker down and get a bunch of crap done. And there's not, it's not substantial enough to be like, hey guys, we uh, fixed some glitch you didn't know about because you're not playing the game. We did it, you know. But their excitement level of communication of anything, just, hey, guys, we did some really cool work today. We got a lot done. It felt really productive, blah, blah, blah. And just that communication, that keeps us excited because if the developers are still excited about developing their game and their world, we're excited. We don't know what they're even doing, and that makes it even more exciting. They're excited, so we're, you know, it feeds off of uh, back to the community. And I think a lot of developers don't get that. They don't realize that, we need to see how excited they are. And that tells us that things are happening and the, the gears are churning, all that kind of thing. 
excitement is infectious. Yeah. Oh yeah, it really, it really is true. And this is something that I think Ash is is doing really well right now. Right now, yeah. As you say, Sam, they are posting a hell of a lot on Twitter. Right, and they're not only are they doing that, but they're also getting the community involved. Like they're showcasing if somebody does like a really cool like content piece on Ash's creation, they will showcase it on their twin and say, look yeah. at what this somebody in our community has done. Mm-hmm. And that is fantastic. Like it's really, really cool to see that back and forth. And like like you say, Nathan, the you can tell the excitement. Like watching uh, them on the live streams and watching Stephen doing his his gameplay video, the excitement that he excitement. does. Not not even that, like he would do these, he would drop these like little clips, sort of like a minute, a minute long just gameplay clip where he's just in the world doing something. But you can tell that he's really enjoying yeah. it and he does this whole RP thing. Yeah. yeah. It's, oh, it's so great. It's so great. He nerds to see. out, man. Yeah. And, and good point from Scribbles in chat too, again, over at Defend the Night. But talking about, you know, if you're an indie dev, you need to be dev blogging. That was that was something that along with the excitement piece you guys were talking about, where if we look at Ash as a creation, the game I'm most invested in over a period of time, right? Because we're talking almost three years for me. So it's a bigger frame of reference than like my experience with De- uh, Defend the Night or Valar or Saga Leucemia or any of those other games, right? So that's why it's a reference point, right? Because there was that year of 2019 where it was just, it kind of went dark and that's what was missing. There was no, you you, you saw the excitement kind of disappear. Even if yeah. it's just out of sight, out of mind from the person's perspective, they don't see the excitement. So that's what's actually important. And that was like one thing that was missing was like no consistency in, in information being posted. And they've really done good the past three months or four, four or five months actually now I'd say. Of really like consistently, yeah, really consistently doing that. So, um, any any points you've been kind of holding in? I know Nathan, you said you had some stuff earlier. You were waiting to share. I didn't know if you shared that already, or anybody else. Based on all the stuff we've talked about today in the show, I I wanted to say that we're in a very exciting time for MMOs because lots of reasons, right? But in my opinion, it's because the soul of MMOs withered up. It didn't die, but it all withered up, and it got it got weird. Everything got weird in MMOs for a while. Uh, developers didn't want to make them. It was a, a money sink. Um, everybody at first was all hyped up. We're going to be the next WoW killer. Then <laughs> everybody tried, and everybody failed, right? And, and, and developers just like, this is a time sink. It's a money sink. It's not worth the development time, et cetera. And thankfully, as we talked about on the show, indie developers started stepping in and being like, well, the reason is because we quit innovating. We all started copycatting, uh, you know, and, and trying to trying to emulate what mm-hmm. other actually trying to move the genre forward. And thanks to these indie developers, yeah. that's what they're, they're taking the good parts and they're making it different. They're making it better. They're bringing it further along and adding innovation to it. So. Uh, you know, if we would have been on this show uh, six years ago, yeah, uh, this would have been a sad conversation we'd be having right now. But True. we have a lot. Of, no matter what kind of MMO you might like or enjoy, there's something coming. You know, there's something yeah, there. yeah. I agree, man. We there's like I feel like there's now 
And it's just my perspective. I think now more than ever, the genre has the, I don't know. I think it has the most hope that that soul that became a raisin can uh, <laughs> unshrivel. That's right. I was saying, I was saying it in Twitch chat. I don't feel bad about it. I was thinking California raisin. If that's your soul, then that's the. Easy to use him. Nathan's point there. One of the things that I think that is now allowing us to, especially the indie devs, to innovate uh, with the MMOs is that we've, even though no new MMOs have been made, we've had the chance to really take a, a good hard look at what the MMO currently is and what it currently has and we've seen a lot of the flaws and now we're saying right now we know where we went wrong and, and where we went stagnant and what, what the problems are now we can fix them and I think that's a huge thing for that Yeah, we've... so yeah definitely yeah. I yeah. think the block is flowing back in. It's beginning to expand. It's getting bigger than we thought it was originally. Okay, I'm sorry, guys. I would... <laughs> the chat's just going off. I, I'm sorry. I, I don't even know what's going on. I have anymore. to. I have to. I have to read a very important statement. This is our slogan for 2020. It's called a. Uh, I see someone said replump the genre because someone said replump the raisin, right? So you can replump. Oh wait, I said replump the genre. That was my statement. Lol. Okay. <laughs> Somebody did indeed say it. Oh my goodness! I mean, I said I was going to read a point from chat. I just didn't preface it was mine. Trail mix the MMO. Trail mix the MMO. Trail mix online. Oh my god, man! Yo, this has been a fantastic, a fantastic second episode, and it's only going to get better. I got to tell you, man, this is my, my Thursdays are my Friday with work. And this is like no better time to come hang out, kick it with friends, right? Open our story here on, on the looking for more show. Right. And just kind of have some fun talking about. And I feel like this week had a lot to talk about. Plenty of revolving topics on the table. Like nothing's off the table. We might bring some developers on with specific games. We might bring other content creators on. We might bring community members on from other games. You know, nothing's off the table. The The more that we bring on, the better the conversation, right? So definitely always looking for more, always looking for more friends, always. And with that being said, I just want a big shout out to all uh, of you here in chat. Those of you who joined us on, on our story today and joined the party, if you will. And, uh, and and a big shout out to you three here who have been here to kind of help pilot and get this started. Definitely the core of the show thus far. Much love to you guys. Luxor, the Nathan Napalm, Wondering Mist. Gentlemen, you want to let everybody know your domains, where you reign, and where they can find you if they want to come, you know, hang out. <laughs> Luxor. I lurk in your nightmares. You don't want to find me. <laughs> You fantastic i'm terrified to go to sleep what about you nathan uh i'm on youtube the nathan napalm um also on twitter the nathan napalm uh i'm other places but i don't do anything on the other places oh, you man. can find me but i'm a little inactive those are my two main platforms fantastic and missed buddy uh you can find me on my youtube wandering mist i've also in uh in 
following what Sim said earlier, I have now set up my own Twitter account. So that's uh, Wandering Mist on Twitter. And you can find me. I'm active on the Ashes uh, Creation Forums and official Discord. You can find me on there. All the good stuff. All the stuff. All the things. Oh, my God. I'm not reading that, Dr. Greenspoon. I'm not. I'm not reading it. <laughs> I don't have an OnlyFans. Why is that something that comes up on my streams? Huh? I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand. Anyway, everyone, thank you for joining the party. Just a big, big heads up. You can dial in, leave a message at 1539-664-6801. You can also join us on Twitter at the LFM Show to follow us there to catch when we go live and when the podcast is posted in all the places. And also, you can catch us here Thursdays at 5 p.m. CDT. Much love. If you want to send us an email, you could do it at show at gmail. And everyone, thank you for joining the party. We are always looking for more, and we are looking forward to catching you all in the next show next Thursday. Have a great week, friends. Stay safe. Bye.